What up, what up, what up? What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Between Two Posts. Kyle and Everett here. I uh, hope you guys are doing well and uh, hockey's kind of on the way back. But Everett, what's new with you? Oh, you know, just crushing it. Um, you know, cleaning up, doing the housework, hung a couple doors like a pro, just doing dad stuff. Yeah, I saw, the, I saw the snap story. So you're officially a dad now. No I mean, kid, but a dad. No kid, but just living dad life. You know what? You wake up on a Sunday, you have a little breakfast, and you think, you know, what can I get done around the house today? What kind of chores? We're going to Home Depot. Oh, yeah. You know? Had a little uh, Home just... Depot run, picked up some tools, and uh, hung the doors. So, so are you your team Home Depot, not Lowe's? Um, act- well, I mean, politically speaking, I guess Home Depot is into some bad I'm, stuff, but I'm glad it's so you, close to my house. I'm glad you brought that up because – Apparently, I was unaware of this until last week. Apparently, Home Depot and Lowe's are like super political. Like mm-hmm. you have well, all supposedly are, you're supposed but... to side with one or the other. <laughs> yeah, a lot of companies are, and I mean, I don't want to get too deep into politics here, but I think what people forget is is like a CEO that runs a company like Home Depot, McDonald's, Chick Fil A. They're all looking for tax cuts, so they're obviously gonna go with whatever party is gonna give them more tax cuts. But besides the point, Home I mean, Depot's close me, to my house, and I went there yeah, for I tools. Just, I was just going to say, for me, it's whatever's closer to me I'm going to go to. I'm not really going to drive an extra 10 minutes just to go to one store over the other. You know, yeah. it's a, the same I mean, store. you've never heard of Ace Hardware probably, right? I have, but that's oh. not even close to Home Depot or Lowe's. So, no, but so like they're a mini hardware store and they're close. So if I know it's something that they'll have like screws, yeah. like mini parts, I can go there and I'll go there and pay an extra dollar just to go in two minutes instead of 10. Yeah, so it is what it is. But I had uh, a little three on three tourney uh, yesterday. Um, ref called. Roller? Uh, yeah, roller. Okay. Ref called two penalty shots. Cost us the game. Pretty pretty trash. They gave it to Garrett Ross, who's pretty gross. He's a pro guy. Dangled me twice. He like came in fast, a bit on the move, and then he just walked around me. So that was embarrassing. So he got he got back to back penalty. No, shots? No, not back to back. It was out. like the first one. He was in a. I I I don't even understand what happened because he ran into me. Like our D guy kind of like drove him into me, and then he pushed me as I went down, and I like just slid back into the net. And then he he got the shot off, but they gave him a, f- a shot anyways. And then later on, in their zone, guy takes a swing, like kind of where he's reaching across the player. So you're getting yeah. body first, then to stick. So he reaches across, makes contact with the puck, but like Ross kind of tripped. And it's it was like a soft play because when you're in the coast, you know, the every cent helps. Like, you're getting hacked and whacked, and guys are putting the body on you. So, you know, he went down soft. They gave yeah. him the penalty shot. We, you know, we ended up losing 5-3. So, you take those back. It's a tie game. We're going to a shootout, and uh, I'm probably not going to win it there probably either. Probably would have lost in the shootout, so. Yeah. <laughs> so, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. <laughs> um, and then the other day, I don't know if you saw this, really, really, really freaking cool. Thursday, uh, it's been a year since Mike's heart attack. We had some posts on Instagram, if anyone had caught that. But it, a, like, what was it? A week later, he had his surgery. So it's been one year since both those events have happened, 
and yep. Mike got on the ice for the first time in 10 plus years. And we, we had a skate. We had 10 guys out there. Toss the pillows on. Yeah. He played goalie. You wouldn't so, believe the stuff he had on. It was incredible. Like V3 pads, old T4000 glove. And then he used a <laughs> V9 sample blocker that we had done. Um, and the comp stick, which was dope. And then uh, an old uh, demo mask from Dom. Shout out, Dom. Yeah. But uh, you wouldn't believe how, like, after 10 years, it, it still looks so cool to see Mike play goalie because he looked like an 80s goalie. And when I say 80s, I'm like... Did he, I'm, like, did he play growing up? Like, was yeah. he... No, okay. like Mike played hockey growing up. Mike played goalie. He's a true goalie. And, uh, you know, he started making stuff. He worked at Piranis, which is the local, you know, Michigan's kind of yeah. in the Midwest. They're growing, but Michigan's, you know, go-to hockey store. Um, and then he started making his own stuff. And it, like, he's, you know, eat, breathe, sleep, hockey, goalie, everything. Yeah. But, you know, he hopped back between the pipes. And what the coolest part was when you watched him play, he, he had a Fort Wayne Comets old school jersey with a Sens on the back. Yeah. Goalie Bobs. And uh, the way he held his hand and the T4000 glove, I think was just icing on the cake because it's huge, right? It's the old school, like old yeah. style, like 80s, 90s hockey glove that's goalie glove that's humongous. And he carried it on his hip. The feet are like inside of the shoulder width like big time stance and then when pucks are behind the net he's got the stick out there swinging taking up passing lanes it was incredible yeah it would have been a sight to see i'm sure he was trying to throw out some of the like toe up windmill blocker saves too yeah so you mentioned he had that new comp stick and i kind of just wanted to touch on that because i got my hands on that one and honestly i wasn't expecting much but that stick is so underrated i mean I, I, once I got it in my hands, like it's it's in the same ballpark as like the new Bowers, except um, the durability is just way better. So I mean, the, in terms of weight and feel, like I went out there, I was ripping sauce passes and just like I I felt like I was a better goalie just holding that stick. So <laughs> did that take you from like an eighty nine to a ninety two level? Um. Well, I'll say this: this is my testimony. In my first game using it, we won one nothing in a shootout. So, oh, you played gross. Yeah, I mean it was it was beer league and like but still it was still, yeah, like like I, I won the game basically. Like it You was, played gross. Yeah, I put the put the team in my back. Not That's game. unreal, dude. Um so I have some questions to ask because I've kind of been tinkering with it, but obviously you're a little bit better goalie than I am. And I know you had been using warrior comps in the past. So how would you compare it to like what oh, you've no, had no, no. and what you've seen to now? I used, so I hate warrior comps. First of all, I, I used you had them a bunch for, at grand Valley, didn't you? Yeah. Because they, the, that's what I guess they have some deal with that was your deal, and they, they ship them out. So that I just took whatever I didn't have to pay for it, but okay. that stick sucked. So I will say this: when I was playing juniors, I was using um, the the Bauer comps, which I think my last year juniors was the like the two S Pro with the weird thing on the back, which I loved. I love those things, but the price point, and I think I went through like six, about six every season, and then probably another like two or three over the summer. So to get the feel of that Von stick. And I've had Von sticks in the, the past, like the foam cores. So yep. the, like, I love those durability, but like the feel and performance of the, the new SLR2 stick is just like lights out. I didn't know you got to use it. That's exciting, man. What do you think of curve and stiffness? 
So it's interesting because the curve is pretty standard. You know, it's got like the mid twist, but the kind of like a P thirty one, right? Yeah, it's stiffer than um like foams and Bauer. Like it's it's a little bit stiffer, but it kind of helps because you know obviously in your goalie gear you got some weight, so you can kind of if you're leaning into it, you can rip some passes. So well, that's awesome, yeah. dude. I love to hear that. Now, yeah, I highly recommend it for anyone looking for a new stick. What are, the last question that everybody's going to ask, obviously, is weight. So you've had a lot of different ones. It sounds like, like weight-wise, where do we stand? So I think it's, I mean, obviously, the the Bauer, uh, like their 2S Pro with the thing in the, the back and the new 3S Pro, whatever it is. That yeah, one's like probably, that weird spine thing? Yeah, I think that's slightly lighter, but then their next model it's probably comparable to so i know last year's th- their new model hasn't come out yet but last year's it was like the 2s pro and then the 2s it, this is probably about the weight of the 2s wow like it's it's feather light it's light and i mean it, it's almost to the point where like once you get to that point you don't really notice if you drop a couple more pounds going up to the like 2s pro it's you know once you don't even notice you're carrying because the whole point of a light stick is just um I mean, mainly like fatigue factor once you get to third period or if you're making a bunch of passes or whatever, because, you know, if your arms are getting tired, if you're not hitting the gym, like probably a lot of us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, the one thing that I noticed with the comp sticks and I was always like, I don't, I'm not an old school guy, but I just said, it's like, for me and my point of view, it's not worth it, not worth it, not worth it. Like foam cores are fine. They get me by, they hold up really well. But man, like pucks come off hot. So if guys are sending stuff on the ice and I'm a big stick work guy. So when things are on the ice and I can get a stick on it, you can throw that thing into the netting almost like every time. And that just helps kill plays and slow everything down. And when you're kind of, you know, a little bit heavier than what you need to be like me, anytime you can get a break out there, it definitely helps. The only thing though, that I don't think a lot of people have realized is on dumpins. If guys fire the puck and you go to jam behind, like that puck comes off the stick just as hot as it would yeah, if you're making a stick save. Yeah, it, like you said, it, it doesn't like cushion it. It kind of just bounces right back out. So I will kind of bring it to the other point is when you poke check it, like with the comp, you can you can literally like chip it out of the zone off a poke check. It flies <laughs> off the stick so hot. So well, it's, I think it's like anything. It takes a little adjustment. You know, like you hear guys who once they try the uh, – um, I'm drawing a blank here. What's the the skin on the side of the pads? Quick slide. Quick slide. Yeah. Like, Good one. Yeah. I don't know. It's late. Um, <laughs> but guys, you know, at first, a little bit of adjustment. Maybe you're over, over sliding, over committing yep, yep. stuff. And mm-hmm. Just takes a little bit to dial in your game and figure out, you know, what changes you need to make. So same thing whenever you switch any piece of equipment. So That's a little but, uh, finesse. You know, yeah, exactly. Um, but anyways, with that being said, we got a, I think this is, I've been really, really excited for Steve. Um, we've had this for a little while, but I wanted to release it now because he really understands where youth hockey needs to go in terms of goaltending. Um, for background on Steve Thompson, he is the director of goaltending throughout USA hockey. So top to bottom on all youth levels, he's helping figure out which way we can take goaltending and how we can grow the game to get to 51 and 30 51 and 30 which we'll get into during the interview but 
I the one reason I love what Steve's doing now is he's a huge advocate for the kids, but not only that, but it's having fun. Because exactly. I mean me and Kyle were unique guys and obviously when you get out there, Kyle, when you were a kid, what got you into goaltending? Like what got you hooked? I think just like we, we touched on it in an interview too, but just feeling like you're like a big part of the team and being able to make saves and uh like obviously being a goaltender you have a little bit more pressure than yep. uh than a, a forward or defenseman would so he kind of touched on how as a kid you kind of have to make sure kids don't feel pressured when because obviously that's not fun to go in and have be like scared to death every time at a, you at a young age no exactly. because you don't mentally know how to handle it but eventually over time i think that it, you flip the switch once you hit like maybe 13 14 ish where now you want that like, I want that game to be on the line. I want to know I'm the guy. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. But the thing is, is when, like, I was a kid, it was, I wanted to play goalie because Dominic Hoshik was playing for the Detroit Red Wings. Like, one of the most electric guys to ever watch play goalie, right? Yeah. And I was playing street hockey, and then I got the opportunity to go, like, you know, my team needed a goalie, so I jumped on the ice, blah, 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 blah. But I, I'm, I coach with, uh, there's a 2011 and a 2012 team around here. And, after practice in the locker room, one kid dug into the goalie and like young kids, these are young, young kids. You know, you say it kind of like, haha, but they're also kind of teasing, right? So you yeah. got to find that line. But I heard it was going on after games too, where he just rips into the goalies and says, oh, you guys let up so many goals. You guys are so bad. You're the reason we lost last week or you're the reason we lost today, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. When you have that kind of like environment do you think that kid's going to want to continue to play goalie or do you want him or do you think he's going to want to take the pressure off himself and just go play out? Exactly. And and that's what's, you know, you can be a player and uh, if you score a goal, but suck the rest of the game, you still scored a goal. Yeah. Whereas a goalie, you know, you can, if it's just, if you have a bad game, it's, it's a bad game. People kind of tend to notice. So, I mean, even if, if you, if you stopped 30, if you made 30 legitimate good saves, and we're not talking shots from the outside, but good saves, but you let up four and you take the loss, you get the loss. Like that's what everybody looks at. Exactly. So in yep. order to prevent that, Steve is finding a way to help make the game more fun. But not only that, but if you can teach kids, <clears throat> excuse me, if you can give kids more instruction at a younger level and give them more tools to succeed, they're just going to be better. And that makes that, it makes it more fun for them. And then, like he said, you get your smiles per hour up. So exactly. So uh, let's send it over to Steve, and we'll catch you guys after. Let's get the record going. <clears throat> uh, here we go. Between two posts tonight, all the way from Anchorage, Alaska, coming in at a solid, handsome six foot and three inches, Steve Thompson. Welcome to the pod, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. Love the intro too. How uh, how things been? Uh, you're now in, relocated to Colorado, right? Yeah, living in Denver now. So it's uh, it's been pretty nice. It's always 70, 80 degrees and blue skies here. So no complaints on that front. Tough, tough life, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's been good. There's obviously a lot to miss about Alaska, but not when uh, it's dark about 24 hours a day in the winter. You certainly don't miss that part of it. For sure. Absolutely. I was actually, uh, I talked to, um, 
Isaiah Seville, he had gone back after spring break and the, you know, yep. like the pandemic had hit. And he said that the uh, snow, there was still snow on the ground. It was still really, really cold, like 30, 40 degrees most days. I'm like, oh, I hard pass on that, huh? Yeah, I mean, there's still some good backcountry skiing and stuff. I see a lot of photos of my buddies out there ripping around on their skis still. So this is actually kind of the best time of the year to do that because it's nice enough that you can get out and enjoy the – it's, like, comfortable enough to not wear a jacket. But uh, but you definitely earn those few months by putting in a shift during the winter. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, I mean, you grew up there and everything, but you played four years at Fairbanks, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that was a whole other animal. Fairbanks is uh, – notoriously one of the coldest places in the States. So there'd be times when it was like 50 <laughs> below zero. And uh, there was like these, like a polar bear was our logo and our mascot. So mm -hmm. we had all these frozen, you know, polar bear sculptures all over campus. And that was like a thing to do is when it was 50 below outside, you wanted to get a photo next to the sign that said it was negative 50 and like your swimming trunks riding the bear. <laughs> Man, Alaska the, is just another beast. Yeah. Isn't the sunlight there crazy too or something? Yeah, it's the reverse in the summertime, so it'd be about three in the morning, and it looks like it does at noon, you know, everywhere. <laughs> so the sun never sets in the summer, and then uh, in the winter it never rises. So yeah, that's uh, tough. Like I said, you put your time in, but you earn what you get for sure. Now, with that being said, um, my question would be: Were you taking the vitamin D stuff? Like, is that true? The supplements? Uh, yeah, I mean, we probably should have taken more than we did. I know that that's. From what everything we were told, even from like the health professionals that would talk to our teams when we were playing there, they were saying even in like California, people are vitamin D deficient just because they never go outside anymore. Oh, really? Like yeah. So like if you have a day job and you're working inside, half the time people are vitamin D deficient, even if they live in the sunniest place in the country, if they're not getting out to actually embrace it. So, but <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, there was, they had these things called like happy lights that would supposed to you know, represent the sun because depression and like serotonin are always really linked with uh, sunlight too. And there wasn't any sunlight. So people would get a little loopy in the winter. I don't blame them, man. I don't know if I could do it for that long, just seeing the darkness and like you just start like, cause even in the Midwest, you get a little bit of that like seasonal, like sadness, right? Yep. yep. But then you go to Alaska where you don't see any sun at all, like ever. <laughs> The that's stars tough. are bright. The stars are bright and the northern lights are pretty cool. So that's kind of how you pay, you make up for it. That, and you guys got the uh, the hot springs up there, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There was uh, China Hot Springs was about 40 minutes off campus. And yeah, it'd be, I don't even know, like 80 degree, 90 degree hot springs. And then it'd be 40 below. So your hair would freeze immediately. Like you like dunk your head and however you wanted to style it, it would freeze solid within probably 30 seconds. So you always uh, get your Dragon Ball Z hair going when it was winter time that's incredible man little um, little natural hot tub there yeah exactly <laughs> smelled like sulfur <laughs> that's fun to hang out with um now after you got done playing there steve like this was kind of where you started your career today right where you jumped into like what three or four different roles you jumped into hockey ops you did goalie coaching obviously with that and then I saw you picked up your strength and conditioning certification. So like, how did you manage to get in all that and go through that a little bit with us? Yeah. So um, I think like most people, when they get out of playing, I was trying to figure out what exactly I wanted to do. I knew mm -hmm. I loved hockey and, you know, there was an opportunity to be the director of hockey operations at UAA. So that was a good transition into the game. But then, you know, I 
obviously loved goaltending and liked to be a goalie coach, but uh, you had to be a strength conditioning coach in order to be on the ice because I wasn't a full-time goalie coach. So I got my strength conditioning certification in order to, to do that, which in hindsight was great because I got to take a bunch of courses that the university paid for to learn more about the body and um, ended up training a few of the different sports programs, not just hockey specifically. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I had a conversation with a guy down in California, one of the goalie coaches that works with us, you know, kind of going through the same road where he wants to be involved in hockey, but he doesn't know, does he want to be a strength coach? Does he want to be a full-time coach? Does he want to specifically be a goalie coach? And, you know, as we know, it's so hard to find a role. So just kind of trying to put on every hat you can and hope you're attractive to some team that needs you. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, now with your background into jumping into like, obviously goalie coaching was easy. That made sense. But the strength and conditioning job and going through certifications, like that, is that through the university or is that something you do totally separate? Um, the university paid for it because I was, you know, going to be the strength coach for, you know, basketball, hockey, volleyball. And so they provided the education for it. But um Fortunately, in my undergrad while I was playing, I took a lot of the kinesiology degrees that you needed for the NSCA uh, CSCS I was studying for. So mm-hmm. I had a deep background in it already just because I was curious as an undergrad the first time around. Um, so I put about six months of studying the CSCS book on top of what my you know bachelor degree was in and then took the test. And it, it certainly wasn't easy. I mean, the, the, the human body made sense, but there's so many sports-specific questions where I'd say, you know, you got a midfielder that plays this many minutes a game. This is her strengths and weaknesses. What should you train? And uh, to wow. not understand other sports, like you'd have to know the work-rest ratio of that sport, of that position within the sport. And then you'd have to, you know, diagnose and assess what exercise pattern she should have. And, you know, for hockey, it made a lot of sense because I knew that game so well, but I didn't know much about other sports. So there's a lot of questions that I was just completely guessing. I'm like, uh, I don't even know what uh, center mid does. I think they're in the middle of the field. They probably run a lot. Uh, let's choose a, you know? And <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I, I imagine that would be tough. Um, trying to figure out like softball, football, golf. You get any golf questions on there? I don't remember any golf. I remember a lot of football, a lot of uh, soccer basketball those are the I mean there wasn't even really much hockey on there it was probably like those three sports were the most probably because those are probably the most popular in the country that are really taxing aerobically but there's a lot of track and field stuff too but man uh, so you're pretty well versed then huh I've forgotten a lot of it like most <laughs> of the things we learned but uh, I hear some keywords every now and again and I'm like oh yeah I remember that that sounds kind of fun so when we're talking about building the resume you might just drop that more towards the bottom in case oh, yeah. you need it, but like, oh, I know a little, uh, it's been a bit, but. Anytime I'm speaking with an at legit strength coach, I never even mentioned that. I'll just, I know enough to have a conversation, <laughs> but I wouldn't dare disrespect an actual strength coach by trying to pretend to be one. Too funny. Now in terms, I'm curious here, like they've talked about how much sweat, like a goalie loses through a game. Were you able to take some of that to kind of talk to guys about being ready pregame prep and were you able to kind of maybe change something or bring something new to that topic? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't specific to goaltending, but we used to always have the guys measure before and after practice uh, their weight. And then they could look at how much water loss they had. And then I can't remember the exact, but it was something like you drink a glass of water for every pound of sweat you lost pre post-workout. Mm-hmm. So we did do a lot of just, um, just, 
teaching the athletes at that university to really check in with their body consistently to know where they're at and just to make sure that you're always staying hydrated. And, um, and what I found, and I'm sure most strength coaches find it as well, is you're trying to keep them from training too much more often than motivating them to work hard. It was usually trying to get their foot off the gas. Like you need to rest. You've been stressed out. You've been working hard. You've been doing everything you need to. Like the best thing for you today is to take a break. And just most of those elite athletes would go, no chance. Like if I take a break, the goalie across the street's going to pass me up. So I better keep my foot on the pedal. And so that was hard was teaching. Sometimes that rest is work. Rest is hard. Rest is, you know, something that you should take pride in and do better than the next guy because he may not be resting enough. No, absolutely. I mean, you don't want to go through a burnout period and then, you know, where you just get too exhausted to where, you know, for us as goalies, when you get out there and you're tired and your reps aren't 100% mint, well, you're, now you're giving yourself bad muscle memory, right? You're going through poor wasted reps where, like, if you came out and you're 110% on the ice, that's a much better session than you going out every day. Now, I kind of wanted to ease into this, but I want to ask right away before I forget. With that being said, you were dealing with college athletes at that point. Now you're doing ADM, right? So how the US, the way USA Hockey looks at youth sports, I understand, is guys got to – players and goalies, athletes, they have to mix in a couple different sports. You want to be versed. But with coming up and training and everything like that, how do you address kids saying, hey, like, you know – Timmy was 14 over there. He's skating every day trying to get to AAA. But how do you tell that other kid, like, hey, you do need to rest. You don't need to be playing baseball Tuesday, hockey Wednesday, soccer Thursday. Like, how does that conversation go through? Yeah, I mean, usually at that age is with the parents. The parents usually are the prime motivators with a lot of that stuff. So we try and make sure the parents are educated because they're the ones that have, you know, the voice of reason within the household and can usually help us with the mission that we're trying to do, which is have these kids as healthy and happy as possible to play well. Uh, so it is a challenge. I mean, and that's kind of the fun part of this job is the diversity of the athletes we have. You know, I can be with our Olympic athletes one day at their national development team, the other, and then all of a sudden with a six-year-old or a 10-year-old family that's <laughs> hockey. And so um, just trying to meet everybody at the level they're at. So I think like specifically to what we're talking about currently, our NTDP team has started to bring in a third goalie in practice because our strength conditioning coach has started to monitor, monitor our heart rate variability with our goalies. And they're noticing that our goalies are getting overworked in practice. They're just, you know, either mentally or physically so stressed that they weren't recovering in time relative to the rest of the team. And so they've started just kind of calling in a, a call in goalie in practice just to give those guys a break. And so, you know, I think one of the things we never even thought about was the advantage you have in college by carrying three goalies and having somebody to share reps with and, and mm -hmm. over time how much better that is for you and I think that's certainly something we're trying to promote at the youth hockey level to your question now is why do we think we need to just have two goalies on the team you know especially at the younger ages can we have people rotate through the position so you're maybe not playing a hockey goalie every day and maybe there's five or six kids on the team that love goalie and so you just can share the reps share that stress share the fun um, but not overwhelm your system with just one, you know, one position, one muscle group that you're working all the time. Absolutely. Well, with the program real quick, sorry, Kyle. Um, you know, if they ever need a guy, a third guy, I'm, I'm right down the road, baby. I'll let them know. I'll let them know. You can strap them up. You're right, you know, five minutes away. Like, yeah. Hey, just, when I go down there, just make sure that's like, you know, some NHL scouts are lined up because I'm still, yeah. you know, I'm waiting for my shot. This could be my shot. <laughs> I think this is it. You never know, man. 2020 is your year. 
Oh man. Uh, so I was going to ask, um, cause you talked about obviously like rest is important, but do you think that gets to a, a certain point where it hinders your progress? Cause I know, um, like we've had a couple of NHL guys on and they said this is the longest stretch of time that they've taken off even in, in past years. If they have a early playoff exit, they said, you know, usually a month, month and a half, they're back on the ice. And now we're looking at two, three months here. At what point do you think it goes from helping you out to maybe hurting you a little bit? Yeah. I, you know, I'd be really curious to see a research study done on like return to play and how quick your reflexes are, how dialed you actually are. Because I, I do think if you have rest, but it's a calculated rest. So it's not just, I'm going to put my feet up and play Warzone all day for a month and (laughs) chill with the boys and do whatever. It's, you know, you're, you're going to yoga, you're doing some guided meditations, you're, you know, you're everything you're doing, you're doing with a purpose. So even though you are resting and, and probably not as active you normally were, you're still doing it with like a schedule in place. So I'm going to do this from five to seven, but it's not just I'm a bum from five to seven. It's like a calculated scheduled rest period. And I think that structure alone really helps with that mental feeling of this has been too long of a break. I'm not prepared. I'm going to be a loser when I get back to the rink. Cause I really think, and again, this is pure speculation, but my guess is, is that our bodies actually can get back into the routine quicker than we think. And if we were probably to test some of these skill sets, we would be right on point when we got back to the game. So I don't know if it'd be the physical body that's struggling or the mental side of that. Um, yeah. If anybody's listening and is a researcher or is looking for an undergrad research study, that would be one that we'd love to get you some goalies and some coaches to work with. We'll have to fire this off to all the universities and get, get a couple uh, little interns there for you, Steve. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> studies done. Um, so now you're leading goaltending development for the ADM. That would be the official position outside of being goalie coach. And I know you worked with the women's team. So talk a little bit more about the ADM. I know there's, you guys have tons of resources. I was actually looking through, I was trying to dig up some dirt on you. I was going through the YouTube, (laughs) I was going through the YouTube channel and the resources you guys have put out for, I, I think it's coaches, parents, and goalies in general. Anyone can view this stuff is amazing, but Maybe talk a little bit more about your position and what you're looking to do moving forward with the goaltending. Yeah, so, um, you know, kind of the history of the ADM, it started in 2009, and basically we just saw that, you know, American athletes weren't developing at the rate we expected based on how many kids we had playing the game. We had, you know, upwards of 300,000 youth athletes, but we weren't seeing the results at the highest levels. And so we were wondering, where's this gap? Like, traditionally, you would see, Countries that have more kids playing have a better likelihood of getting a weapon athlete playing that position. And then on the world stage, we'd perform, and that wasn't necessarily the case. So we kind of restructured the whole way we develop our athletes, and we looked at, you know, smaller playing surfaces, blue pucks, um, you know, just a bunch of different smaller nets, quick change equipment, all these different things to try and make sure that we're doing kids right. And that's really been one of the challenges that our country's had is that we're all in such a rush that we're treating our youth athletes like professional athletes. And there's some really neat, you know, HBO specials on that, that I highly recommend anybody watches talk specifically about how, you know, we have 10 year old national championships and we have all these <laughs> different things that, you know, parents are videotaping their kids doing little skill sets of things that, you know, LeBron James is doing and all this. And so there's like such a rush to get our youth athletes to become pros that there's just a ton of burnout and there's not a whole lot of um, 
you know, success at the highest levels when we expect to see it, which is going to be that 20 to 30 year old range. And so that was kind of the foundation of this. And in 2015, they recognized that we hadn't really focused on goaltending and how different goaltending really is. And we had all these great things about, we got to get as many shots as we can in practice. We got to get as many passes as we can, reps, reps, reps. And it turned into just a machine gun of shots on these goalies because we were looking for so many reps from the 18 players. And uh, so that's where Phil Astaire was hired as the first ADM manager of goaltending in 2015. And he was really, you know, instrumental in the foundation that I now have to work with as far as age appropriate training for goalies, specifically creating a staff across the country of goaltending development leaders that really take in their state and do everything they can to grow goaltending within that community. And um, yeah, so then I, within, he took a position with Tampa Bay and now he's with Detroit Red Wings and I've had the opportunity to kind of continue to pull on the rope that he started. And uh, it's been basically how do we get more kids to be goalie? The ones that choose goalie, how do we make sure that they're well looked after and there's more coaches that understand the position? And then on the high performance side, what do we do better than Canada, Russia, Sweden, Finland to make sure that our best athletes are better than everybody else's best athletes and ultimately win more gold medals? Absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, there's a huge long-term plan. Um, but the one thing that I wanted to bring up with you and that I love that you've done, Steve, is the amount of, like, fun you bring to the game. And I've been a big believer in that because there's so many coaches out there, whether it's, you know, you said, like, a high-performing goaltender. You know, like, maybe your triple-A kid, kid that might have, you know, definite upside, probably going to play junior in college hockey versus your majority kid that's playing 14U rec or house or maybe, you know, high school hockey. What you've done for goaltending, though, and getting kids into the game is you've brought this new um, environment about you where, like, you did the – I wanted to talk about it, but we'll get to it – the glacier, taking kids out to play hockey on the glacier. Um, I saw when you went to the, uh, the United Arab Emirates, like, those kids looked like they were having so much fun. So how do you take that and you get – it's not just the goalie coaches, I think, but how do you get coaches in general and leaders of associations to take that approach? Because when you make goaltending fun, when you're not seeing puck after puck after puck, like you said, where the players are getting their reps in, but you know, a 10 year old's getting destroyed and then his friends are chirping them. And I see it with the kids I work with. The kids are saying, Oh, like you should have had that should have had that. It's not fun for them. And then we lose goalies. So how do you get your, uh, an association or staff on board with, hey, let's make hockey fun for these kids? And if they're having a good time, the players have a good time, and then we can keep growing this game. Yeah, I and mean, I just try and lead by example. I mean, I try and make sure that every time I'm at the rink or every time I'm at a coaching education clinic that I'm having as much fun as anybody else or the most fun and just sharing that you can be a leader and still be fun. And you don't have to be that stoic head coach that – is locked solid and never smiles and it's no sir yes sir all the time and I just from everything I've seen and felt both as an athlete and a coach now it's like when I was most successful it's because I truly loved hockey above all else and I couldn't go to sleep at night because I couldn't wait for the next day to start and try something new that I was working on and I couldn't wait for the next practice to you know try and shut the team down and I couldn't wait for the next game to show everybody what I'd learned and as my career started to tail out and burn out it was because I wasn't enjoying it anymore and I've seen the same thing with the young athletes I've worked with. I mean, like Isaiah Seville that you mentioned, you know, he's been on such a high trajectory of success and that kid loves goaltending. I mean, he's always smiling on the ice. You just see teeth every time you're shooting pucks at him. 
you know, for other high-end athletes I've worked with, that's just a commonality where they absolutely love what they do. And I, I just can't stress it that if you don't create that love for your young athletes, you, you're just going to see burnout. And even if they do end up being successful, it just seems like such a less rich of an experience for them. And, uh, you know, even in college, my goalie partner, Scott Grenham was like the most laid back goalie I'd ever played with. And he was unbelievable. He would, you know, pitch at nine 30 every night, no matter who we played. And he'd be talking about God knows what before the game, he'd be smiling, waving to girls in the stands. And when I played, I was like staring at the ice. I never said a word to anybody. Everything was serious and focused. And, you know, as I reflect on my career, I wish that I could have enjoyed it a little bit more because I was just so serious and so stressed and tried to do everything perfect. And at the end of the day, it just really took away from my ability to play well and to enjoy the process. And so that's been, you know, kind of a platform that I've been standing on as a coach since I started. And, and now with this position with USA Hockey, it's been something that we've really tried to push is that smiles per hour is the statistic we're keeping. I don't care about how many goals you've let in. I don't care about your save percentage. I don't care about how many wins you have. How much are you smiling within this hour? Because if you're smiling, the rest of it's going to take place. I know you love this game. If you're smiling, I know you're going to work hard if you're smiling. So my job as coach is to make sure you're enjoying it, you know, and then, and then I'll create an environment for you to do that. And then, yeah. and then at the end of the day, you know, you'll succeed. And I think you look at like today's NHL and there's some really good role models for kids. Like, I mean, to the top of my head comes like Flurry, who's always out there smiling, having a good time, even in the NHL, which definitely is uh, a lot tougher because you still got to compete day in and day out. But uh, the way he's been able to just really bring guys around him on his team, even up and just have a good time every day. Uh, you know, that's, he's basically living the dream. And I think guys who play the game like him make more kids want to be goalies. So we need more of that. For sure. Yeah. I mean, what an ambassador. I wish every day he was American. I still would like to use him for anything we could. <laughs> he is absolutely what I, you know, what I see as the greatest ambassador of goaltending. He, he makes goaltending funny, makes goaltending cool. You go to Vegas and every kid wants to play goalie. Yeah. And, you know, we travel around the country and we always promote, like, we want goaltending to be the quarterback. We want goaltending to be the pitcher. We want everyone that plays hockey to beg for the honor to play in between the pipes. And people will say, that's crazy. Nobody will ever be that way. Everyone's going to want to be Crosby. Everyone's going to want to be a Vetchkin. And then we'll say, well, look at Vegas right now. Because when you go to the rink in Las Vegas, you have 2,000 entry-level kids that have never played hockey in their life. And you have 2,000 kids that want to be goalie because they all want to be Marc-Andre Fleury because that is the coolest guy in Las Vegas. And so I really think it's possible. We just need, again, um, more leadership promoting the positives of goaltending, and we need more ambassadors that are really high-level athletes that show why it's cool, why it's fun, and why you want to be like them one day. Yeah, Absolutely. I think, I think like, at least in, in Florida, too, living near Tampa, you go to, like, youth – youth ranks and you see every goal is wearing like 88 and you know at least once they're trying to make that like behind the back glove save so stuff like that's cool to see the the impact that individual guys have on an entire community and um you know unfortunately i don't think there's a ton of american i feel like americans tend to play the game a lot more serious um just bigger name guys but uh i mean there still are a lot of a lot of guys i think quickie you know, I've seen a few highlights where he'll make a save and smile to the cameras after. So that's always cool to see uh, NHL guys enjoying the game just as much as kids are. Yeah, sure. and you know, fun's going to look different for everybody. And that's one thing we always try and stress as well is that, 
you know, for a five-year-old, fun's playing tag and running around, you know, being a goofball on the ice. But for a 25-year-old to play tag would be a little noxious and you're probably not enjoying it at all. So as they get older, fun's going to look a little bit different. You know, I am sure everyone can resonate with how much fun you could have had, like absolutely bagging yourself on the stairs. That, like just you're puking at the top of the stairs and everyone thinks you're an absolute psycho for working so hard and you loved every minute of it because it was so much fun for you to push the limit and to test yourself. And so, you know, fun is going to look different for different people, but uh, we just really want everyone to embrace how cool goaltending is, how much fun it is. And, you know, certainly there's a lot of stress involved when the red light goes on and the game changes when you make a mistake, but you know, we can overpower that fear with also the, the fun of making that glove save when the net was wide open, you're on the road, you've got 20,000 people that thought the puck was going to cross the line and you shut every one of them up. And there's yep. just a second of silence. I mean, that is to, to me the coolest part of hockey. And I think we just need to get that message out as best we can. For sure. For sure. Now, I, I feel bad asking this because this is going to be a hard question, but you brought up, you know, high-end goalies. And when you see them play and you, you see them on the ice and they're smiling and laughing and then some guys might get away from it. It becomes more of a job. Hockey is work to them. Is there any way to take that that guy and show them the fun side again? Is there like do you have any advice for a player that might be going through that? You could be in like, you know, your last year juniors or twenty bomb and things might be looking a little tough. How like what would be a little piece of advice for them to find fun in the game or to re embrace what they loved about hockey before it became work? Yeah, I mean, I, and to that point, I think Fleury is another great example of that. I imagine there weren't a whole lot of teeth being shown those last couple of years in Pittsburgh, and you know, <laughs> and then you just see him blossom when he gets to Vegas because I think he recognized how little fun he was having, how stressed out he was, and then when he got out of that cave, he was like, "Holy smokes, this is such a better world to live in!" Like, what am I doing? You know, putting so much effort into being stressed out all the time. And, it happens all the time for all of our athletes. I mean, every one of us goes through some point in our career where it looks like our career is coming to an end. We're not stopping the puck. There's no answer and life sucks and the rink's more stressful than it is fun. But I think one thing we always recommend is, you know, have as many hobbies as you can have as many things going on. And that's why we always promote having playing multiple sports because you need to find value in other parts of your life. You can't just solely play goalie you live and breathe goaltending and because the moment your goaltending goes out the window, which it will because this game's tough and this position's tough then you have nothing to fall back on. And like, if you're a loser in net, you're a loser in life because that's your life. And we need to make sure that, you know, maybe you're great at another sport or you're really good in the classroom or you've got a great relationship with your family or you have so many other things to fall back on. So when hockey isn't going well, you can be like, well, I know that'll come around, but at the end of the day, I've got like nine other things I do well, and I'm not going to lose my self-esteem over my play. And you know, I think falling back on some of those things is really helpful when your game's not going well or um, leaning on your teammates. That was something I always did when I played was if the game wasn't going well, I always just embraced the locker room because I loved the room no matter what, sometimes even more than the game and uh, or the fans even. I know there's a lot of times in my career where – I'd have a terrible game. We'd have a skate with the fans afterward. And I just wanted to quit. I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to see my, you know, see anyone. I was so embarrassed with the way I played. And you get like some five-year-old out there who's grinning ear to ear. You're still his favorite player. And he's unconditional. He loves you no matter what. You got pulled. You let in five bad goals. But at the end of the day, you're still his hero. And those are always moments I'd be like, you know what? 
this is more than just a game. Like I'm going to be fine. This is awesome. Like this little kid's day was made because we got to skate together. And, you know, five minutes ago I was talking about quitting hockey because of how poorly I played today. So I think just trying to put the game in perspective a little bit helps a lot. Absolutely. I think you summed it up perfectly. And uh, having some, you know, something else to invest time in, but I think it's a self-expression too, right? Like whether it's, you know, you are playing other sports where you get to compete or have fun and you might find success there. Or if you're into music, you know, like Ryan Miller talked about how he was playing guitar while he was in Rochester and stuff like that's really cool. And it's just an escape, something to take your mind off things and express yourself in a different way. So I think you summed that up perfectly. Now, I wanted to touch on something that, you know, we've uh, between Vaughn and USA and yourself mainly is uh, the quick change gear. You did bring that up before. But it's something that we've introduced where, I mean, what was your record time, Steve? Like you got a set of gear on a kid in what, 42 seconds? Yeah, I mean, I think we can even shock off another 20 seconds if we get a team of uh, parents out there. But yeah, I mean, this stuff's fantastic. I, I really think, and this is the future of goaltending. I mean, you can get kids in and out of the position so quickly. The gear's cool. It's safe. It's fun. I mean, there's no commitment to the position. There's no payment that the families are going to have to make. I mean, all of the things that people are afraid of when the kid looks at them and says, mom, dad, I want to play goalie. And they're thinking, holy smokes, it's too expensive or holy smokes, it's too stressful. Like now you can just strap it on over their forward equipment. It, it's such a cheap price and the family shouldn't even be paying for this. I'm picturing teams providing this for the team so that any kid can play it and multiple kids can be goalie now and uh, you can move well. I mean, you can get across the crease just as if you were playing goalie in your shin pads as a forward and, and you know, we always say the new Gordie Howe hat trick is going to be a score a goal, you get an assist, and you get a shutout in the same game. There's no reason that you shouldn't be able to play all three positions on the ice. And, like, what a cool night that would be. You get a shutout in the first period, you take off the quick change gear, and you change out with your buddy. You, you go bar down in the second period, and then you make a great pass in the third. And then you go home going, like, wow, what a cool game of hockey. Like, I've played all three positions and succeeded in all three. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think one of the coolest things, like we talked about before, like making goaltending fun. And I think for me, at least, gear's always been one of the coolest pieces to that. So for guys to get in early and, you know, get graphics and something that kind of looks like what pros are in, that just, I feel like, really makes it a lot more fun than throwing on some old rinky-dink set of gear that someone pulled out of their attic 30 years ago. So, <laughs> For sure. And a lot of that stuff, I mean, like we were in Detroit, we had a Howard jersey with the, the quick change gear that looked identical to Howard's pads. And we were in Washington, we grabbed a Holpe jersey, and these kids just light up because, again, those are their heroes. And Exactly. It'd yeah. be like, you know, a little kid that loves Spider-Man getting to put on a Spider-Man outfit for the day, and you get to be Spider-Man. I mean, it's truly what these kids become is they get to put on the superhero costume of their favorite person in the world. And, you know, there's nothing better than that than seeing a little kid light up because they get to be Jimmy Howard for the day. Yeah, and that's you, awesome. <laughs> you have to think back to, and I think it's it gets harder as you get older, right? I'm only in my mid-20s, but, like, you got to remember when you were a kid idolizing players, when you like that's how you fell in love with the game you were watching hockey you were watching the Detroit Red Wings you're watching the Avalanche you're watching Tampa Bay whether it was a goalie or a player there's someone you idolized so now say it is the goalie that's why you started playing goalie and you're in Detroit then you happen to throw on his stuff and you're like you said Steve you're, you're Jimmy Howard for the day it's incredible exactly we I had an experience and I I was working with the 2012 uh, team here in Detroit and I I told the head coach I was like hey 
you know, we don't have to do this, but I have a kind of a cool idea. We have quick change gear. It's for the kids. You come out and it'll allow everyone to try goalie because even at that age, the goalies I was working with, they would say, or I would have the kids pass by them in practice and be like, oh, you let that one in five hole. And not in a kidding way, like when you're older, you know, when you're playing college and your guys are chirping, it's funny at that point, but in a way where they're trying to put them down, I'm like, well, we got to reverse this. We got to back up and we got to have everybody understand the position and how tough it could be. And for some of the kids that struggled, um, they learned and they appreciate goaltending, but the amount of kids that got to try it that day that had huge smiles on their face, I had them sliding across the ice doing two pad stacks or poke checks or like, you know, sliding across and getting the glove up there for a big glove save. When you see their face light up, one, they appreciate the position, but two, now we have the opportunity to try and rope some more kids into playing goalie because I know you know it. I know it very well because in Detroit, growing up, rinks were packed. You know, you couldn't get on the ice from 9 a.m. till 10 o'clock at night. And at 10 o'clock at night, the adults came on. Men's league, adult league, whatever came on. Now, there's so many teams that are looking for goalies. I know goalie coaches across the nation that have Facebook posts where, like, our 05 team, you know, AAA needs a goalie. Who wants to play for this team? Who wants to play for that team? Imagine us being able to put more goalies on the ice just so we can grow the game because players can't play if they don't have a goalie. You know, you can't actually make new teams. We're just, you know, hedging our numbers. So I think the quick change gear at that association level, at that young level, like you said, allows so many kids to have fun and get into the position. I think that'll be huge. And while you're on that topic real quick, I wanted to just say, I think one of the most like destructive things for young goalies are those parents that go out there and take like clap bombs. The ones who are like volunteer assistant coaches and, are really just out there for themselves. And I think that's so brutal for a young kid's uh, confidence to just go out there and, you know, want it. I mean, if you're scared of the puck from an early age, it's probably not a great start, but also um, getting scored on is not fun either. So I think if, uh, if any parents are listening, uh, if that's you probably, (laughs) probably time to hang up the skates. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe dial back, not show off in front of the eight year olds. And it's always, There's always one guy with jeans that's just letting lasers go. Exactly. Yeah, the guy with the bike helmet and jeans out there who's <laughs> winding up from the hash marks. The hard part, I mean, this is something that I've learned recently is I, I just took up tennis within the last year. And, you know, when, when you're not very good at a sport, it's very hard for you to control, like, your power and your tempo. And so I'm out here playing with, like, a bunch of random old women at the tennis club, and I'm, absolute, I'm like, smoking the ball on accident because I have no touch. I'm, I can only play only at one mode. It's, like, one speed. I'm either going to hammer this thing or I'm not. And it kind of reminded me of that is sometimes you get some of these volunteer coaches out there that didn't play the game very long or maybe haven't at all. They just got in, involved because their kids like it. And uh, they just don't have the ability to sauce pass basically a puck into a five-year-old. They, they have one feet and it's 90 miles an hour and they're just in pucks past these kids' heads. So I always wonder how much of it is like, you know, the, the junior hockey player that wants to prove that he should have played college that's just showing off. Or is it just a dad that, you know, doesn't recognize that he's, you know, throwing smoke at these kids? Yeah, and that's something I think as you and Dave Caruso and other person who works amongst developing coaches and everything we can kind of sort that out and as we get more education out there and you get more information maybe you know we're hoping that that kind of you know we can subside from that and kind of cut that out or at least teach them like hey we just gotta you just gotta send in muffins just let them feel the puck let them have fun right yeah well i mean that hard part is 
what we're learning from a skill acquisition standpoint is that it's actually better for these kids to receive shots from their peers because they actually get to read the release, they get a more natural release and that, you know, we've learned a long time ago that puck machines weren't the best way to develop goals. <laughs> puck so, machines. You know, and, and then those were big for a while. And what we re- recognized was that unless you're like a very, very basic goalie that's truly just learning the mechanics of like how to get hit with a puck, that you're actually depreciating your ability to read the shot release by using a puck machine. And many would argue that's the same for having a, a coach shoot on a kid instead of the peer, because again, your sauce pass release is going to look very different than a, a true 14 year old, you know, gripping it and ripping it. And so mm-hmm. that's been one of our pushes is it's hard for our goalie coaches. We have all these private co- goalie coaches around the country that they have their facility or they rent their sheet of ice and then it's just them and like three goalies. Mm-hmm. And so they don't have that goalies here that can shoot. And so they're basically developing their kids by shooting muffins on them all day long and we think that we're actually kind of inhibiting that kid's ability to develop. So again, for those listening, would recommend have your goalie bring a friend, you know, bring, bring their best friend to the rink with them. Now you've got three shooters on your three goalies. You can one increase net from pressure screens, tips, rebounds, like you couldn't by yourself, but furthermore, you're getting more age appropriate shots on your goalies while you're working with them. And for the players on the player side, uh, they start to learn how to read goalies. And I think the sooner you do that, the better. When you understand when you understand like the way I'm thinking now when you walk in on the two on one you kind of have a better idea how they're going to address it at an early age it's a tougher concept but you get the ideas you kind of move up through hockey it becomes more and more applicable but I didn't want to miss this the big push 51 and 30 obviously you know we have an understanding of, of it but uh, I think for the U.S. listeners I think it'd be something interesting to kind of go over yeah so 51 and 30 again this was uh something that Digger and Ron had, or um, Phil had put together a couple of years back and Kevin Ryder. Basically, we want to have the lion's share of minutes in the world's best league. And so 51 and 30 stands for 51% of the NHL minutes by the year 2030. And for the women's side, we're using the NCAA is kind of our metric currently until they figure out what they're going to do with their pro league. And it's 51% of the women's division one minutes by American goalies by the year 2030. And uh, again, if, if those are the two best leagues in the world for both genders, then we want the most, you know, the highest percentage of goalies to be represented by American goalies. And then that to us as a governing body lets us know that we're developing our athletes appropriately, that we're getting enough kids in the net and that we're really the world's best at developing goal centers, which is our goal. For sure. No, I think, uh, and the strides that you're taking at the ADM level, um, the meetings Caruso is putting on for education for more coaches to understand goaltending. I think that's going to be a tremendous, that'll really move the needle in our favor to help kind of push more kids into playing goalie and then taking those high end kids and really helping them develop. Um, now with that being said, in terms of developing kids, a conversation we've had in the office and I've had with numerous goalie coaches is adversity and you see it so often. And I know you've seen it too, Steve, where you take a kid that's been great been great since maybe 12 14 you they've just been you know cream of the crop and they keep breezing through hockey but then they get to a certain spot whether it's junior college maybe first year pro they start to face a little adversity and then things kind of waver because mentally you know they've always been they've always had success they've always you know just kept moving forward moving forward and they've always been good how, what would you be your advice to somebody that's facing adversity for the first time and how to overcome it and move forward and refine their game or get back on track, I guess is really all it is. 
Yeah, I mean, we're gonna. I'm gonna be a broken record on this, but that's another reason that we recommend playing multiple sports. Is that you people tend to do what they're good at. You know, you always have that teammate that has the best shot on the team and what's he doing after practice shooting pucks and he might not have the best stride. And you're like, buddy, like you don't need to be shooting pucks. You have the best shot in the league. You need to be working on your first three steps. And he's like, no, no, no. Or, you know, the guy that's jacked and he's the best bench press in the league and he's in there doing nothing but bench press. And you're like, buddy, you should be doing a couple of squats here. Like we, we all are just so inclined to just do what we're good at. And, and I think we get a lot of athletes like that where we're such good goaltenders that we love that positive reinforcement we get from playing goalies. So that's all we do. We're not going to pick up a tennis racket or a golf club because we're going to embarrass ourselves. But, man, we'll go to the hockey rink every single day. And I think, again, picking up a few extra sports so that you do face that adversity a little bit sooner. Maybe you're the worst player on your baseball team, but you're the best player on your hockey team. You're going to learn how to toughen up. You're going to learn how to fight through that adversity before hockey may present it to you. But like, you know, everyone faces the music eventually. And for some, it's, you know, later in life when you start to get a little bit older and you lose your step. But for many of us, it's well before we get to the highest level we want to. Um, and, you know, just put yourself in enough scenarios that you feel a little more prepared for that. Because I think it always will be a little more stressful and challenging for the sport you love the most because you take it serious and you really you're represented and your whole entire sense of purpose is wrapped up in that. Um, but I think the more you can, you know, things happen for you, not to you, you're, you're not a victim of circumstance. Like maybe it's your first time ever being a backup as you get to junior hockey and you've always been the weapon in your hometown. And now you're sitting there going like the coach is a joke. It's not, you know, if he only knew me or, you know, you can come up with a billion excuses or, you know, so this happened for me. Like what a great opportunity for me to learn how to fight or what a great opportunity for me to learn how to be a good teammate and help our team win, even though it's not on the ice with minutes, it's, you know, being the best locker room guy this team's ever seen. Or uh, There's just so many different ways to internalize a situation. I find that the ones that are most successful are the ones that see it as a positive, regardless of how negative it could look and just run with it from there. Yeah. So I, I had another kind of, tough question for you because obviously uh you want to have a bunch of different tools in the toolbox so for like a save selection if we go to the rvh versus the vh do you are you on the side of you know you want to be a master at both or you should only kind of stick to to what you know might work best for you instead of uh over complicating it yeah, I mean, I think that as you're developing as a young goalie, you've you got to become a master of all trades because you don't necessarily know who you're going to become and your game changes a lot as you get older and taller and wider and all the other changes that come to your game. Um, but I would certainly say, like, there's a lot to be said for our oldest goalies, like our Olympic goalies, for them to know, you know, this is kind of who I am and, and this is how I play and this is how I have success. I think at the highest levels there is some strength to not always looking over the fence and wondering what if. But certainly for our younger goalies, you've kind of got to learn a little bit of everything and, and learn from everybody and kind of pick and choose what works for you because maybe maybe you never thought you liked the RVH. It never very felt very comfortable for you. You grow a couple inches and now all of a sudden you're completely sealed and you're like, huh, I can kind of see the value in this now. Good thing I worked on this five years ago when I hated it because it's now my biggest strength in my toolbox. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I think in terms of being at that younger age, 
and I think back in the day, I don't know. No, I think it's used all the time, but developing the toolbox, right? You want to have as many tools as possible in the toolbox and a lot of different um, viewpoints to look at it because you even start talking about, you know, growing the way you handle the game and your ability and the skills you're picking up. But seeing different goalie coaches, creating different viewpoints, that really helps you as a goalie think, oh, well, now um, I don't have to be as 100% on the gas all the time like, you know, so-and-so said. Maybe I can slow it down and work on the technical side. So you got you to gotta try and incorporate as many different pieces to build your toolbox and be strong. Um, yeah, we've seen some uh, cool stuff with creativity that goalie coaches have done. For instance, you know, you're doing the same drill for five minutes, but the goalie's instructed that he has to make a different safe selection on every single shot. Really? So you can't butterfly twice in a row. You have to stay on your feet one shot. You have to try and make a glove save the next time. You have to roll over and make it with the back of your stick the next time. And, you know, you can get as creative as you want. Your goal is just to make a different save selection on every single play. And what these kids find is one is fun because they're rolling around having a blast and the pressure of making the save is kind of removed because the goal isn't necessarily to make the save. It's to be creative with the way you're trying to make it. And then secondly, you kind of learn, well, you know, if I roll over on my back and extend my arm, I actually cut some good coverage if I ever get beat in this position in a game. And then you're not even thinking about doing it in a game, but you've kind of already done it in practice enough times that you recognize it's a tool you have. And so there's been some really neat things where coaches have either applied creativity or they have given multiple points for different save selections you make. So if you stop the puck, you get one point. But if you stop the puck in an RVH, you get two. So it kind of empowers them to try and use the save selection that you're trying to work on. And then you keep score and whatever else. So you can kind of build a game within the game. For sure. For sure. I actually had a funny experience with a high school goalie I was working with. It was a tough skate. He was having a tough week. So to wrap up, I was like the scorpion thing, the scorpion kick. Somebody had made a save recently. I'm like, well, let's throw that into this. Let's have fun before you get off the ice. Let's leave with a smile and like we can come into the next day or the next game with a, you know, a fresh mindset. And uh, I didn't end up, I had to go away for work or something, but apparently after we had done the drill and he was like lifting the back leg, kicking pucks out of the air, the next game he got caught on his belly laying flat, puck came off the pad and he's laying down, lifted the leg, made the save and the play went down the other way and they scored a goal. I'm like, wow, look at that. Oh, we just get lucky sometimes. Um, but no, real quick, I wanted to ask, you've had a lot of cool experiences, Steve. You've traveled all over the, the world, you know, developing goalies and trying to help grow the game. You've been to the UAE, you've been to Sydney, um, you hosted, you know, a skate on, on a glacier in Alaska. Like, what's been the coolest experience you've been a part of so far? Hmm. Um, I mean, every every country has its kind of aha moments where I, I – you know, the UAE was pretty special because never in a million years would I expect the Middle East to have hockey. <laughs> and, you know, to to see them come to the rink and, you know, especially in our country, there's, you know, there's, I guess this comment couldn't be any more relevant than today with everything that's going on, but you have a perception of like a way someone looks and a way someone's supposed to act and how different they're supposed to be. And I think, you know, after 9-11 and everything that's been happening in the Middle East, you almost like you kind of are afraid to be in the country or you're afraid to see a certain type of person. And then you get to the rink and they are no different than us. And they love hockey just as much as I, as, as we do. And, and 
you know, they, they love the same athletes. They might have a little bit of a different accent in the way they pronounce the name, but at the end of the day, they're all smiling and they all love hockey. And I think that's been some of the richest moments that I've had in my career as a coach now is that, you know, this game is global and these kids love the game just as much as we do. And no matter what country you're from, how far away you are from that NHL team, they're all obsessed with these NHL goalies just like we are. And, and that was, you know, like I know you saw the video because you'd mentioned how much fun the kids looked like they were having, but that was, you know, some of the best moments I've had was just laying in bed at the end of the night, just thinking about how you come into this country with one perception of the way it's going to go. And then you leave going, you know what, this is no different than me living in Anchorage, Alaska. This is mm-hmm. sure I'm in Dubai, but at the end of the day, everybody loves hockey just as much. And uh, it's just pretty, pretty cool to see how sports can really, and that's why the Olympics are so cool is no matter what, how much drama is going on outside the world, sports just have this tendency to bring the world together for one moment, for one game. And then we can all go back to the political BS afterwards and all the stress, but for, you know, you're almost protected by sport. And it's, it's true to like math where it's this universal language, you know, you show up in Dubai and you might, they might not all speak perfect English, but when you get out there and you're shooting pucks, they understand how to stop them and keep them out and have a good time. Right. Sure. And you don't even need to have a common language. A lot of it's just smiling. And, you know, there were some athletes that didn't know English and, I certainly don't know another language. So it's a lot of mimicking, you know, monkey say monkey do. I would act something out, they would try it. And then we do the reverse. And, and, you know, there's just so many cool ways to teach the game and and share the love for the game without having to be from the same country, having the same skin color, speaking the same language. I mean, we all commonly love goaltending. We all want to stop the puck. And that was kind of the takeaway from a lot of those trips overseas. For sure. For sure. Well, that's, uh, it's getting closer to the time, but uh, I wanted to wrap up here with some easy ones some softballs, some this or that's. Now the first one, do you prefer fruity candy or chocolate? Fruity, for sure. Nice really? uh, sour patch. He's, he's a healthy guy. Yeah. He's a healthy guy. Yeah. <laughs> All that sugar in the sour patch kids. It's real oh, healthy. Yeah. your <laughs> sour patch every time at the movie theater. It's a go-to. Um, skiing or snowboarding? Skiing for sure. You got to be able to go up the mountain too, not just down it. Oh, come on, Steve. Snowboarding's what's cool, man. Maybe you're split boarding, but if you're not split boarding, you're, you got no time in my life. Oh, we're drawing some lines in the sand. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, AirPods or Beats? Oh, I have both. Um, Ooh. I'm going to go Beats. AirPods fall out of my ears. Well, I, haven't, I don't know the new ones. Maybe the new ones are a little better, but I end up having to go with the, uh, the Beats just because they have the wraparound piece when you're working out. Okay. Okay. You go, makes- you go over the years while you're working out with the like the big ones no 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 i've got the uh the wireless ones with the wraps okay oh those right yeah i thought you thought you were going with the big like dr jerry beats into i've seen those actually i I was i ran past a guy that was doing that on the trail in denver today and i was thinking to myself like one that's got to be hot and two i don't think you have a mirror at your house (laughs) oh man uh next up reverse vh or vh Oh, playing or what I like as a coach? Playing. Uh, playing, I would say VH was more comfortable, but uh, I think the RVH is more effective. Okay, okay. And then last one here. This one's a little tough. Would you rather take a Stanley Cup or would you rather win an Olympic gold medal? Ugh, that is tough. Um, man, 
I would say for job security, an Olympic gold medal would be the <laughs> man. The Stanley Cup has a prestige to it. I was lucky. Uh, Colton Pareko was one of my teammates in college, won the Stanley Cup last year with the Blues and had the opportunity to go to a Stanley Cup party. And there's something about the Stanley Cup that I just, I don't even know if there's any other trophy out there that brings that same level of prestige and just being able to read all the names and just the history behind it. I, uh, I certainly want to, wouldn't want to take that out of the equation either. <laughs> so there's a little waffle there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer would be on that one. Let's go, uh, let's go gold medal for work-related purposes. Okay, job security. USA, you know, keeps yeah. Steve. He Seems loves a little up. more at this point, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Steve, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time to hop on and chat with us. Um, I look forward to speaking with you in the future and helping getting more and more kids into the net. And uh, like you know, phone's always on, so if you ever need anything, just give us a shout. Yeah, thanks again for having me, guys. Thanks for coming on. Once again, a huge thanks to Steve Thompson for coming on. Uh, we loved getting the opportunity to talk to him. Hope you guys uh, enjoy it too. Definitely a lot to take in and, you know, apply to not only your own game, but maybe the hockey community around you to help grow the game and the position. Absolutely. Um, I want to say big thanks to Steve. He's awesome. And then too, if anyone ever has questions about quick change gear, the new gear we're implementing for a lot of those youth levels, we're talking, you know, uh, mites and all that kind of stuff, 24 and a 26 plus two size. Everything comes in one bag. You get a pullover jersey with the chest protector parts in it, leg pads, glove, blocker, and this stuff can get on a kid that's actually dressed in player equipment in under 45 seconds once you know what you're doing. It's incredible. But uh, I think that's yeah. going to help get a lot more kids in the position and trying the game. And associations across the country have slowly been swooping that stuff up. So it's it'll be you're definitely going to see it in a rink near you very, very soon. But uh, oh, yeah. that's I, all I, I got. Kyle, what do you got? I wish that stuff was around when I was a kid. I feel like that would have just been so sick to have like cool looking gear. Like gear alone are, is going to attract people to the position. So 100%. I, mean, I don't know about when you started, but when I started, uh, my first pair of pads weren't exactly something that I thought were like cool. <laughs> they were like <laughs> some probably like play it against sports. Like didn't even have, I, I don't know. They just, you know probably should have gotten gotten them for free but so you know it's funny i mean on the topic of the quick change stuff and not only does it look cool but it actually wears like a pad because it's built off like an slr slr youth pad so it actually like butterflies and everything like that unlike some of the stuff that's out there that looks like cardboard on a kid's leg but well with that being said and not only that but almost to the point where kids could kind of put it on themselves because i remember when i first started my my pads had like 12 15 straps. 15 leather straps <laughs> and like the toe ties and the thigh wraps like those things took even with my parents putting them on took me like an hour to get ready so the fact that you know like you said the 45 seconds put on like it's something kids can even you know take part in and putting on and yep uh, game changer super easy velcros and everything like that yeah it definitely beats having those 15 leathers and i remember what that was like but yeah. talking about first pair of pads ever so like i said i started off in the street i don't know if you remember but franklin hockey used to do a ton of street hockey gear yeah like goalie sets where they had like the fire the camo like usa yeah. ones the ones i wanted the most were the usa pads I love those things so much. I had them for street hockey. And then eventually they got torn up. For whatever reason, they made it out of nylon. 
But like yeah. I was out in the middle of the road, just butterflying hard on the, <laughs> on the knees on the concrete. Yeah. And then I had to duct tape them all up. And that was the first pair of pads I ever took to like, I think it was roller hockey is where I started playing goalie and then jumped into ice and got real ones. Yeah. Uh, my USA set, baby, that was uh, the American flags. That's, that's where I started. Back to the roots. Yeah. So. so that's all I got, Kyle. Cool. Thanks well, again to all our listeners and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe. And if you can, head over to New Jack's Airbrush. New Jack's Air. Is that the Instagram handle? Airbrush. New Jack's Airbrush. And drop them a follow. Maybe yeah. throw a couple likes on there. Maybe see shoot him a DM. On. Ask him for a paint job. You know, get, get some ideas from the kid. For sure. A good guy. Uh, but other than that, we'll uh, catch you all next week. So we'll see you. Signing off. See ya.